0: Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we dig in deep to analyze the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. I'm Andy Nelson from The Next Reel. We are looking at Jon Favreau's 2008 film Iron Man, back where the, the whole universe began. And joining me this week on the show, we have Alex Thompson of the Independence Day Minute. Hey, Alex. Hey, Andy. Thanks for having me on. Oh, I'm thrilled to have you. It's going to be a, a fun week of, of corporate espionage to talk about with you. So we should, should have a good time. Yeah, not an ounce of superheroism to be found here. Right. Yeah, right. Superhero superhero light is what we're looking <laughs> at this week. Uh, of course, we're starting with uh, Minute 91 on today's show. The minute starts with the reveal of what it is that Tony finally knows. And it ends with Pepper sitting down at Tony's desk. We are starting in Tony's workshop, as uh, as uh, I mentioned, this is, uh, you know, last week we kind of left it on the cliffhanger as to, you know, what does Tony know? I finally know something. And uh, now we know. He finally knows what he has to do, and he knows in his heart that it's right. This is a, uh, a real superhero line that we kind of kick off with here.
1: Yeah, I, I was struck by in, I'm sure you've probably seen it in all your research, there was a a line that Jeff Bridges had in one of the um behind the scenes stuff where he said basically he was thinking of this more as just an independent movie you know just like oh John Favreau's directing this like independent movie and Robert Downey Jr and Gwyneth Paltrow That sounds like a really interesting cast uh, you know and it, it, this feels Like Iron Man almost could be incidental to the plot. You know, it's a it's a weapons manufacturer who finds religion after he is taken captive by the weapons he creates. uh, You know, the fact that Iron Man is here, you know, this it could be a superhero's call to to action or it could be, you know, he's going to go fight this in court or something like that.
0: Yeah, that's a great kind of like that. It Yeah. Right. Because, I mean, earlier we talked about when he comes back and how he kind of goes through this PTSD, this this reaction he had, this uh, reevaluation of his relationship with his father and what his father was doing and how— weapons manufacturing might have made sense back when they were fighting the Nazis but now does it make sense anymore and and now he's realizing he's had that kind of direct connection to Gulmira through Yinsen and he's put a stop to the the terrorists there and now he realizes that it's going on still and so he's he's really shifting his focus here and yes you're right it's actually a really interesting perspective where this could just turn into uh, a a man trying hmm. to finally take control of his company and put a stop to the bad people who have been covertly running it in the wrong direction.
1: Yeah. Like in a in an alternate universe, this is the act three is more of like an Aaron Brockovich type movie or something. You know, he becomes a corporate activist or something like that.
0: Right. I, I'd love to see him out there protesting at the Capitol and yeah. you know, <laughs> just really, you know, fighting the NRA and just all of this sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. It would be a totally different yeah. direction for the film. Yeah, I'd be really
1: curious in universe to see what the relationship is between the NRA and, and superheroes. I think
0: that, uh, yeah, that would be really interesting. I, I, I think Marvel is probably smartly avoiding any sort of avoiding that. Yeah, <laughs> that's a very complicated road to go down. there, staying out of politics. They, they
1: allude to they allude to our real world politics sometimes, but they, they sure sort of wise wisely, I, I think. Um, don't delve that deep into it
0: well it's one of those things where uh, you know Stanley did kind of bring up this whole idea that that they can talk about the real world and reference issues in the real world in these films which they have i mean even this film you have this idea of the you know the military complex funding and and providing weapons to Middle East war profit terrorists yeah Yeah. yeah, right yeah war profiteering and it's totally an element that they're bringing up here but not in a an Aaron Brockovich sort of way it is it does stick with kind of that superhero aspect so it's it's a very um, I don't want to say a surface look at it but it's a it's a look at it that I think is Maybe less political, less in-your-face, uh, and to that end, uh, appealing to more quadrants, I guess you could say.
1: Yeah, I, I'm sure the word that someone is it's grounded in real-world issues, but it's not necessarily tackling them. Because <laughs> right. the moment that you introduce superhero armor and super soldiers, it kind of ceases to be about real-world issues. Right, exactly. You know, Um. Uh, to go on a brief tangent you know they talk uh you know the x men as a pair as a parallel for sort of gays and minorities and things like that and on the one hand you know you talk about mutant registration and how it's some sort of parallel for you know uh, registering gay people or something like that but it's it's a little harder to draw that parallel when you're registering people who have the power to move cities with their minds you know it's a little harder to draw the parallel between uh, you know, superheroes and weapons control when a person is a weapon. So it, I think the wisely Marvel is is sort of touching on real world issues, but only, only enough that they can sort of tell the
0: stories they want to tell. Well, yeah, it uses these real world issues and things that people are concerned about and think about uh, in a way that allows for there to be a kind of that Background of the story, where it feels like there's this global thematic crisis, and people get a mm-hmm. sense of it because they it, it directly connects them to, or I shouldn't say directly, it indirectly connects them to other issues that they're dealing with. So it's a smart way to tell a story, and I think. To that end, it allows for um, some interesting stuff to be going on. And, and certainly Tony's reaction here, this whole idea that, uh, you know, I mean, because Pepper just quit in the last minute. And this is his kind of defense that, you know, you were always in my corner when I was doing all these awful things. And now that I'm trying to do what's right, you're quitting on me. Um, but this is what's right. I know it's what I have to do. And I think it's it's nice to see that uh in this world this is uh this is enough to kind of convince Pepper to stick around and actually to be a part of it still.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do want to comment before we finally leave Tony's workshop here. I really want his workshop. <laughs> like I want I I want access like let me just have access to a drill press and welding equipment and a floor that I can't destroy and I'm I'm I'll be good. Yeah. <laughs> I wanna play. <laughs> I don't. I don't care about having the super suit or the indestructible powers or the super serum. Just give me
0: like power tools. <laughs> I want his power tools. I do wonder. I mean, he he does. Uh, I mean, not in this minute, but in previous minutes. I mean, he's obviously doing a lot of work in the floor he's building things to come out of the floor all these robot arms and and different things that kind of help him in and out of his suit and everything he's his house is on a cliff i just have to wonder how safe is that to continuously bore into the floor and to create these additional elements at what point is he going to weaken this cliff so much that this whole thing is going to crumble into the ocean Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh i believe that point is called iron man (laughs) freeze we'll we'll get there we'll get there (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, I, I, a random weird note: When he um, when he convinces Pepper, and it cuts to the uh, the wider shot of the two of them as she kind of makes her decision, and she walks forward to pick up the lock chip and uh, deliver a great line that I have here. You know, you're you're all I have too. You know, which I think is a really nice close on that. This sense that this is a relationship; it's not just employer-employee, but there's something more here. I think that's great. Um, but there's this weird light as as Robert Downey uh, Jr. is looking down kind of dejectedly and she walks forward to pick up the lock, lock chip. There's a weird like red light that's glowing on his face until she picks it up. And it almost looks like it's the device because as she kind of picks it up, there's a, the red glow moves from there to over where the chip was that she picks up. but. It's like a weird light source that I can't like I can never pinpoint what is actually creating this light. And why do we have this here? It's a strange choice that I I don't ever quite understand. Yeah,
1: I think um, you can barely see it. It's second 16 when they first cut to that shot of the two of them. Uh, He looks like he is just tinkering with something. Uh, You can just see what looks like maybe a pen or a small screwdriver in his left hand. So I'm, I'm thinking the explanation is that the red light is coming from whatever he's tinkering with, and then as oh, soon yeah. as you the light goes off, he has made it. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's like a little, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a, a little glowing, like a almost like a laser yeah. pointer sort of thing, but not quite. Yeah, uh, yeah, that actually is a, a, a good call there. It, it does. He is holding something that looks like it could be. He's pointing it right at his face to kind of illuminate it weirdly.
1: Yeah. I guess I had one other note I needed to make because this is about to be the last time I'm going to get to actually see RDJ in these five minutes other than uh, video footage. What's that? They are both really well preserved all these years later. I noted that mm. looking at this and then I went and looked at stills from uh, Infinity War um, and they both look, they both are very, they They don't look like they've aged very much. I mean, obviously, you know, they're Hollywood actors and, you know, that's part of their job is to still look, you know, like a million bucks. But I would imagine that superheroing and, you know, being a superhero support person as Pepper is
0: would age you like the presidency does. (laughs) no kidding with the stuff that he has her doing all the time yeah like well not not only what he's having her do but i mean he has her take over the company and so then that's like a whole other level of stress where she's hardly even dealing with him she's just (laughs) dealing with the company yeah she's now been made the ceo of
1: of a major company that has to completely change its its track you know yeah midstream right right and him i mean you mm, boy I remember there's a piece of graph of uh, graphic art. I want to say it's Alex Ross. I could be wrong. Um, It's depicting basically like 50 ish year old Bruce Wayne. Uh, He's got his shirt off and you just see like scar after scar. and His back is all mangled and gnarly. And there's no way I don't. I know it's always the thing you have to kind of close your eyes about that. His body doesn't get turned into jelly from falling inside of his indestructible suit. But. He cannot be this well-preserved 10, 15 years later after being Iron Man for that long. Uh,
0: It is something that you do question as as to uh, these injuries that inevitably he's sustaining. I mean, even from this film, theoretically, he got shot in the shoulder already. Uh, We don't (laughs) see that. It's never pointed out, but it's scripted. And we certainly see his arm in a sling when he comes back. From his uh, initial fight, when he's mm. done with his uh, yeah. second round uh, fighting over in Golmira, um, he actually looks fairly healthy. But still, I mean, it, there there has to be stuff happening to his body. Yeah. I would think uh, it's not yeah. impervious inside that suit. There still are things that have to be yeah. getting injured.
1: Well, there's even, even if you want to assume, even if you just close your eyes and say basically the suit gives him you know, infinite HP or something (laughs) like that. Uh, You know, there's there's the scene where he's first playing around with the repulsors and all he's wearing are the repulsors and they fling him backwards into his concrete uh, overhang. And it's he has no armor. Right, (laughs) right. But, you know. But, uh, you know, it's the part where the, the injuries don't happen unless they're convenient to the plot. Right. Yeah. Unless, Except for the part where Rhodey gets shot down by Vision. Spoiler alert for many movies from now. You know, they don't really get injured unless the plot demands that they get
0: injured. Yeah. And that's something that very much happens uh, with Tony is unless or when he's in his suit, injuries happen to his suit. But he always, mm-hmm. uh, you know, seems to make yeah. it through okay. And, uh, yeah, like you said, it's, it's, it's not super related. And I think that's something that they do largely with a lot of these superheroes. I mean, you know, even if you go back to Superman or the, the Spider-Man films, they might get injured in the film, but never do I recall like a particular scar on anybody that's referencing a previous injury from another film. So, yeah, yeah. But
1: even even ignoring the injury factor, the, Robert Downey Jr. just God, this was 2008, so we're a good ten years later, and he doesn't look that much older. Yeah. As, is Tony Stark even well? But,
0: it's he's got those health shakes that he's started drinking. You know, yeah. <laughs> he he really cleaned up his life, and he just drinks those smoothies, and he keeps himself very clean and obviously fit. And I think that those life choices that he made right before kind of getting into this franchise and and re- redirecting his life, I think it just really helped, and it made him into a healthier person who has been able to maintain. And obviously, he's. You know, in that that, you know, those Hollywood circles where he's, mm-hmm. you know, personal chefs and personal fitness trainers and all those sorts of things that kind of yeah.
1: personal chefs, yeah. personal trainers, potentially also minor plastics yeah. over here or there. And, yeah. I, th- you know, I do think now that I think about it in universe, I think it's sort of implied that Tony is taking better care of himself as he's getting more
0: serious about being right. Iron Man. Yeah, and uh, it makes sense because yeah. in context of this world, this is, you know, he's taking up this superhero mantle. He's no longer this partying playboy. He's now a serious superhero. And so I, I think it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I'll, yeah. yeah. I'll buy it. So he's sending Pepper on this mission. And we're going to travel with her to Tony's, uh, Tony's office at Stark Industries to to start digging into this. He needs to have her find these files. These um uh, the shipping manifests um, that he says they're probably under executive files, or it's on a ghost drive. And uh, does this seem like the sort of standard stuff Pepper would, you know, understand what to do? Like, uh, I mean, I know she's the right hand, a woman to the most intelligent tech guy running this mm-hmm. big company, but I'm like, it's it's an awfully, you mm-hmm. know, strangely technical thing to do. I mean, it's it's copying files. I guess it's not that complicated. Yeah, but. Finding, finding files, files. like it's you got to find this ghost yeah. drive all this sort of stuff i'm like god oh, this sounds how does she know how to do this and also the other question i had is is this not stuff tony can access from home like i would assume that he'd have a, an interface with the company why does it have to be at the office unless it's specifically stuff that that he now knows obadiah is has buried in in the uh, system actually he doesn't even know Obadiah has it. He just knows the company is hiding stuff. Oh well, I know he knows I, I take that back. Well, he knows Obadiah it's... is hiding stuff. Obadiah said, you know, who do you think uh you know had the the you know voted yeah. against you? Um so he knows that mm-hmm. Obadiah is covertly running the company. He doesn't know that Obadiah is involved yet with um with Raza and his men that that we now know. Well if well if you're assuming
1: that if Tony's assuming that Obadiah is involved and Obadiah has got some smoking guns hiding around somewhere on Stark's servers, uh, Stark Industries servers, then Tony probably has already looked in everything he can get yeah. access to and needs to go on site to get to things that aren't to servers that aren't mounted onto Stark Industries main you know infrastructure so that's why that's why pepper has to go into the physical office it, the question i ha- the thought i had though is maybe that piece of the thumb drive that spoiler pepper's about to put into the computer will do all the finding for her uh you know so she doesn't have to try and decrypt and and
0: hack and so on and so forth but where did he get this <laughs> right well he's a tinkerer. i guess he invented it but uh we could talk more about the lock chip I mean, that, tomorrow because it's it is yeah. an interesting little piece of technology yeah. and, and what's happening on the computer when it does get plugged yeah. in but yeah and, and then the other question i had i mean i guess he's just so focused on re- repairing and and kind of doing upgrades and whatnot to the mark iii that he can't go do this himself
1: yeah i mean i guess it, it's a case where he could probably do it himself faster or better but no one else can repair the suit, so yeah,
0: it, and that's one of those things. I mean, it's it's obviously a a plot element that we need him at home. Uh, it's just one of those things where it, does it does it make sense in the world of the story, or does it feel like it's just convenience for the plot? And I guess that you're right; it does work where he has to work on the suit. He also needs this, but he's the only one who could do that, so he's going to send Pepper. I can buy it. Yeah, and you know, I do like the fact
1: that it gives pepper something to do yeah um you know it's an unfortunate uh consequence of I don't know if it's a consequence of the genre or if it's a consequence of the fact that the genre is adapted from a comic book genre that was very rooted in a lot of sort of 50s morality and 50s mindsets that a lot of times the women in these stories are either damsels in distress or they're just the sidekick. Or as Pepper is for a lot of this movie, they're just kind of the nagging naysayer. Uh, you know, it, it does give Pepper something
0: to do and some degree of of agency here and i'm glad that they did do that with her and that they didn't make pepper just this uh this damsel like she actually has elements to do other than just kind of be there in tony's corner when he needs her and to that end i'm i'm grateful that we actually get more from pepper because i do think she's a really interesting character i think when paltrow uh, brings a lot to the role. And uh, yeah, and in, in, in a moment like this, it's nice to kind of see um, what Gwyneth can do with it. Yeah. So she heads off to the office. Uh, you know, I am not quite sure if this is a set, or I know they were filming the exteriors at Massimo headquarters in Irvine, California. Um, It looked like there's a possibility this building was actually empty uh, between the time it went from Nicken to Massimo. So and I know some other films had filmed here. So I think perhaps they were using the interiors as well. Uh, I I can't quite confirm that, but um, but I think it's possible. She walks through this uh, this office. I'm not quite sure why it's so barren out in these uh, spaces in front of Tony's office like nobody is here. And according to, well, we'll, we'll talk about it in the next minute, but it's not the end of uh, the workday. I mean, we're, we're at work here. Mm -hmm. It was scripted as her coming in at night to kind of get all this stuff done. But, but it actually is daytime as we can see from the light coming in from the windows. (laughs) I'm just wondering where is everybody? Why there's nobody at any of these desks. Okay, so this is Tony's office because that that only that answers a
1: question I had coming up. this is yeah, it's Tony's. The, the, the room she's about to go into is Tony. Or she's going into is Tony's office. Correct. So I would assume at least one of
0: these desks out here, probably the one right before she goes into the doors, is probably hers. Right. But then, like, she gets off the elevator. She passes another like set of glass doors into some other offices. Uh, that are opposite his. Nobody's Mm -hmm. in there. And then in this space where it would be kind of potentially before she gets to hers, there's two other desks that they have that picture of the bomber uh, right between them, the stealth Mm -hmm. fighter um, uh, right between them. And nobody's there. And uh, then she passes the desk that's like right outside his office. and The one I'm assuming is hers. But yeah, no one's here. Is it lunch? So could it be... I was going to say, could it be this is the weekend? Oh, that's a possibility. That's a good
1: possibility. It could be a weekend. It's a Saturday. No one's here because Sa- it's Saturday right. or Sunday even. OK. There, I, I can buy that. These other offices, I'm assuming that this is kind of the executive level or the executive set right. of suites. So figure down that set of glass corridor, the, the glass doors you talked about somewhere down there. Maybe those other double doors is probably Obadiah's yep. office. With Obadiah's secretary over there and then probably this room in the middle that's got the picture of the bomber, uh, a couple more offices. Somewhere around here is probably a telepresence room where they can both, you know, if they've got to get on a video conference call with, you know, executives in another country or something. But yeah,
0: my best guess is it's the weekend. Uh, No, it makes sense. I I think – I mean we will see people in here. And uh in later minutes. So it's it's not uh like nobody's here, not in this space, but we will see people here. And actually that makes me wonder when they set the meeting with Agent Colson, because Tony, you know, sets up this appointment with Colson. You no, know, it's Pepper. Pepper sets up the meeting with Colson. I don't remember if Tony ever Tony sees him at the at the party at the yeah,
1: Tony sees him at the Tony sees him at the thing, but then I th- I could have sworn Pepper's the one who eventually sets up the meeting with him because later on this week, Colson's going to say, "You are ready for that meeting?" And say, so, "Yep, we're having that meeting right now, right now."
0: And she's talking about the meeting, right? But I but and because he's talked yeah. to her a number of times about it, and actually it's scripted even more. Mm-hmm. Like they, there's a lot of conversations in the script about this uh, particular yeah. meeting, and. So actually yes back in minute mm. 70 here it is agent colson talks to tony and he says let's just put something on the books how about the 24th at 7 p.m. at stark industries and that's mm. the setting of the appointment so this is 7 p.m. theoretically it, well <laughs> that's the question i have now it is possible that he has uh set up a different appointment that we didn't that was cut with with uh pepper mm-hmm. because uh it, it's it's clearly not 7 p.m.
1: <laughs> well Well, I was going to say, if it's 7 p.m., that would explain why it's not that bright or why it's why there's not that many people here anymore. The only question is, why is it still so bright?
0: Uh, Unless it's the peak of summer. But even then, you'd have longer shadows, I would think.
1: Even even in the peak of summer, even in California, where it's approaching sunset at 7 p.m., it's not this bright that late in the day.
0: That's something that we will explore as we continue. We'll be uh, you know Agent Colson mm-hmm. will be popping up uh, soon enough. And we can uh, continue this conversation about the time and everything, especially in the next minute. We'll we'll get another chance at that. But before we get to that, the only other note I had was just that you know, B2 Spirit Stealth Bomber picture uh, as it's uh, getting uh, refueled midair um, that we see. That was the only no- other note I had. It's, it looked like this is one of those sorts of photos. There's tons of these. So I'm sure it's a stock photo they purchased for that. But uh, mm. other than that, I don't think I had any other notes for this one. What about you? That's all I got for this one. All right. Well, Alex, thanks so much for joining me today. I uh, appreciate it. And uh, uh, do you want to remind everybody where they can find you online? Uh, Yeah. So I got
1: a few Movies by Minutes podcasts uh, going on or in some state of going on. Current main project, Independence Day Minute. Myself, along with Matthew and Johan, formerly of Roughneck Minute, are going through the movie Independence Day. Podcast, it's wrapped up, it's main run. You can check out Galaxy Quest Minute on a podcatcher near you. And uh, also occasional side product. We drop about one side product. (laughs) side uh, Occasional side project. Uh, We drop about once a month. Myself and Doug Greenberg of Rocky Minute are doing Cleveland and six, going deep into major league. That one is a lot of fun. I will caution you any sensitive ears out there. That one is not PG-13. We do earn our explicit (laughs) tag on that one. So um, if that sort of thing offends you, maybe skip that one. But I mean, you know who you are.
0: But otherwise, uh, check but, it yeah, out. come check out yeah, check out all those on Podcatchers near you. Fantastic. All right, everybody. Well, that is it for today's show. Thanks so much for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe to the show for free at marvelmovieminute.com. Join us over in our Discord chat room and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at the NextReel. And if you like what we do and you want to support us and get some cool stuff, become a patron over at thenextreel.com/slash Patreon. Until next time, true believers.